Ready to keep you company wherever you are. Card Blanche, the podcast, brings you immersive, hard-hitting stories anytime, anywhere, every week. It's Monday, and that means it's time for another episode of The Whole Week Wrap with Daily Maverick and Carte Blanche. This week, we focus on various court cases that you should be keeping an eye on. But first, it's been a week of chaos and destruction in Cape Town as taxi operators went on strike following what they called the wrongful impounding of taxis. Commuters were left stranded, innocent bystanders injured and, in some cases, even killed. Following tense negotiations, an agreement between Santaco and authorities was finally reached. But who really won in this brutal standoff? Then, we can't wrap up this week's news without chatting about former President Jacob Zuma's release from prison. Again. Welcome to a brand new episode of The Whole Week Wrap with Daily Maverick and Carte Blanche, your healthy serving of the latest news developments. I'm your host, Lizanne Janssen van Rensburg, and joining us today is Daily Maverick journalist, Michelle Banda. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you so much, Lizanne. Um, it's such a great honor to be part of this weekly wrap and giving people the weekly headlines. So we have a lot to get through today. I mean, there's just so much happening, as as is always the case in South Africa. But first, I want us to touch on the two biggest stories in terms of media coverage from the past weekend. There's the taxi strike that truly left the city of Cape Town shaken. But thankfully, it was resolved on Thursday evening. And having read Santaco's statement, it does seem as though the taxi industry once again got exactly what they wanted. I feel like it wasn't really now about a dialogue. It was more of what they wanted and not about the rules or the regulations that was trying to be enforced. And at this point, I do feel like government or officials are really struggling with trying to regulate the industry. On to the other really big story from last week is Zuma. And he's a free man again. And this time, the Department of Correctional Services announced that the former president was granted special remission, which is essentially a, a pardon. But on top of that, they will also be releasing a further 9,480-something inmates and another 15,000 parolees over the next 10 months. Some say that this is a rather crude attempt to hide Zuma's release by kind of releasing thousands more. My biggest question really is, does this actually align with the Supreme Court of Appeals decision that he must serve out his prison time? I don't think it really aligns with it necessarily because the Supreme Court said the medical parole was unlawful. If they're saying they're giving him a remission, a special remission, because they're trying to deal with the issue of overcrowding in prisons and because he's a low-risk offender, it begs the question of, is the Supreme ruling not considered in this decision? Well, I'm sure this will land up in court again. I'm certain the DA and the Helen Suzman Foundation are already drawing up papers. So it's something we'll definitely keep an eye on and see what transpires. Definitely there'll be a response from the civil society side of things. So we are yet to find out what different um, affiliates have to say or if they're going to take it to court again and appeal this. 
Countless cases move through our court systems each week, so it's difficult to keep track of some of the bigger matters. Fortunately, Michelle has been in the benches this past week, and she has a quick update for us on the ongoing Blue Lights assault case. Our next story, this is one that you've been following. You've been following several court cases, but I'd like for us to look firstly at the Blue Lights matter. And when we were discussing stories for today's show, you said that this important case has sort of disappeared in the madness that is our news cycle, but the case is still very much ongoing. Could you tell us a bit more about what's happening behind the scenes or what is the next thing that's set to happen in court? As we may know that on the 1st of August, the eight accused actually got bail of 10,000 each. So what the magistrate said in Randbeck Magistrate Court, she said that the case was rather weak. The state had presented, you know, some evidence that could be interpreted otherwise and that made the, the state's case even weaker. We know that this assault of the motorist on the N1 route happened early in the month of July, but this case was only heard towards the end of July, which gave them ample time to gather all the relevant information. But when they presented the case before court, even the person that took the video is unknown to the state, given that it's also their number one witness. It, 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 they couldn't get hold of that person. Instead, they have another party who was just only responsible for just sharing the video. The essence of the video, the argument from the defense was that they just captured the part where these VIP police are beating up these motorists. They didn't capture the whole part of what happened prior to that. So that was one of their main arguments. We are hoping to be back in court um, on the 27th of September to continue with trial. And hopefully by then the state would have a much stronger case to stand because if they don't have a stronger case, this case will just lie down. It was a nation outraged. In October last year, a four-year-old girl went missing in Benoni. A day after her disappearance, parts of her body were found. Her name was Bokabo de Sekopu. It was later revealed that she had been raped, murdered and mutilated before her remains were left scattered across Watful. Sadly, justice for her devastated family is still far off as the police and state have seemingly bungled the case. You've kind of spoken about the lack of evidence and that links into the next court case that you've also been following and that's the horrific case of four-year-old Bokabo de Sekopu who was kidnapped, raped, murdered and mutilated in October last year. The man linked to her murder, Ntokozo Zakali, confessed to the murder, but shockingly, he was found not guilty last week, Monday. So can you please explain to us what happened? I do understand that it was based on lack of evidence, but can you explain to us exactly how a confession still resulted in an acquittal? If you can remember that, Mohaba went missing, right? And she was reported missing with the police, but for some reason, it was not the police who actually got hold of the accused, as seen in the footage where Dogozo Zikali is walking with this child, luring her from the park in Whiteville in Pinoni. So what happened was the community went out on the ground and tried to track this guy. 
So they found him. They questioned him on what happened to the child and where the child was. And allegedly that is when he made the confession of what he had done. And soon after making the confession, and it seems like the community had taken that statement and they called the police to actually come and apprehend this guy because they found him. And as seen on the video, he was the last person seen with the child. And days after that, you know, they started retrieving parts of the child's body. And then he had given them a clue of where he, they could potentially get some of the parts of the child. So in court, despite Dogozo Zikali admitting to the crime, in court, he pleaded not guilty. Given that the, even the, the evidence that was presented before court was inconclusive, the mother actually said to me, you know, I feel the one word that would describe what has happened to my child's case is sabotage because what happened? Because we had all the evidence and everything was in check, but all of a sudden the, the case is weak. Maybe luckily for the family, which is some form of relief, at least for now, is that the guy was actually convicted a life imprisonment sentence was given to him on Thursday, the 10th of August, for that rape case of a nine-year-old that happened August 2021, which mm. the family did feel like it was some form of relief that he won't be out harming other kids. Yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping that this new investigating team will do a proper job of it, will do the family justice and really build a strong case. I'm also hoping that happens because for me, being the story, it was actually traumatizing. I'm thinking what the child went through from the mm. moment they were raped to the moment where they were murdered. And for the family, it's, it's, it's a lot. I really, really hope that we see some justice in this case as well, because, you know, as, as great as it is that Zakali is serving life for a separate case, it's still not really closure for Bukhabo's family. Could we be one step closer to finding the individual or individuals behind the assassination of whistleblower Babita Diokaran? She was gunned down in front of her home in August 2021 after she flagged corruption within the Gauteng Department of Health. Her murder case is set to resume this week, and Michelle has more on what to expect. So another court matter currently on your radar is the Babita Diokaran murder case. I understand it's set to resume this week following a postponement. So do you have any insights on this matter? What are some of the things that you maybe have heard in the corridors at court? The trial is resuming this Tuesday, the 15th of August, and it has been dragging for close to two years. Speaking to the family spokesperson, they told me that they haven't even received any form of support from government. So it feels as though they are alone in this case. The case has been previously postponed because the accused six were facing financial constraints and they couldn't afford to pay the legal team that they had at the time. And they're now being represented by a new team. So that was a transition that needed to happen. I heard that they're close to getting who actually sent the hit on Babita. So mm. we should be on the lookout for that. There's a lot of development expected to come through over the next coming weeks. Daily Maverick also reported on the Ahmed Katrada Foundation and the Sophie and Henry de Bruyne Legacy Foundation's push to get government to act against 
the individuals and companies implicated in the corruption. And I'm so happy you've you've kind of mentioned that there has been movement on that front, especially in terms of who ordered the hit. I think it will console the family and give them some form of relief if it starts moving a bit more quicker, or at least if they have you know, some developments that could stand or that could probably stick in court. Just as a a closing question, does it seem to you as though government is actively pursuing those identified by the SIU in this matter? Have you seen any movement on that, perhaps? I personally haven't seen any movements on that. And it seems like other people who have been implicated in this case are actually going on as nothing ever happened. So it, it says to me, not enough is being done. As we return to our daily routines following Women's Day last week, we cannot help but wonder what it all means for the women of South Africa in the long run. We continue our Women's Month focus as we look at government response endless promises and what we feel should be the next step. It was Women's Day last week and in our previous episode we briefly looked at how sports played a massive role in uplifting women across South Africa. But now I want us to reflect a bit on other matters that perhaps were not front and center of the national conversation last week. I mentioned the lack of action to address femicide in our country. We also focused on matters of inequality across various sectors. But there are so many other issues that women face every single day. What do you think the women who marched in August 1956 would say about the state of womanhood in South Africa today? I should definitely give those women bells. They, they did a big thing for all of us as women. From that moment going onwards, there's an extent where we feel like we're being heard, we're being seen, we're being accommodated in certain spaces which we were previously not being accommodated, but it's still a, a long run and it will take the government and the private sector working together to create this holistic approach towards women, but also continuously collaborating and evaluating strategies. Above everything, I think recognition for me is still a standing out. Recognition in business, recognition in just general public where there's a woman, you can see that I'm a woman. Recognize me, but recognize me as a human being. I feel we have these types of conversations every year, several times a year. And there comes a point, especially in South Africa, where I feel that we've passed the point where talking about it is the number one option, that we need to see action at this point, because it's been years now since Ramaphosa made several promises when women marched against GBV. Nothing's happened since he made those announcements. So. What would you like to see happen going forward in the ongoing fight to better protect and uplift women in South Africa? As you mentioned, it's it's always been a talk show. Like we, we speak about these things more often and even more regular when it's close to Women's Month or on Women's Month. And after that, the conversation kind of dies down. So even on the promises made, I genuinely feel that no one is following up. I think there needs to be action plan more than the talk shows because we'll talk forever. We need an action plan. We don't need talks anymore. Yeah. So as a closing remark from my side on that is that I think government needs to really now focus on giving us an action plan, as you've said, but also setting 
themselves deadlines to achieve yes. those plans because it's one thing having bullet points on paper and rehashing them every single year but it's a whole different matter when you say we commit to achieving some of these goals at a set time yes but this should not be just a, a checklist of okay we set a deadline for this time we've done this and that it should be something that we want to do and it should have a meaning and we should do it properly so and not just be a checklist of yeah this is what we're doing mm. next next no absolutely well it's been amazing chatting to you thank you so much for joining us and spending some time with us today thank you lizanne for having me i hope to be back soon definitely i hope to chat to you again as well and that's a wrap In case you missed any of our previous chats with Daily Maverick, you can find them all on Carte Blanche the podcast, available on Spotify and all major podcasting platforms. Mm-hmm.